not if you fast. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, everyone's favorite good teaching from Jesus that they've never read, right? Because once you read it, you realize Jesus isn't a happy teacher. He's an unyielding taskmaster. Sure, the Beatitudes are nice until he starts talking about the law and warns his disciples not to relax the law by even one tiny dot. So, to avoid being lazy with the law, Jesus launches into a six-fold intensification of the law. You have heard that it was said, he says, but I say to you, you've, you've read the Beatitudes before, they leave us stupefied that anyone could be such a legalist, such a hard-nosed dictator with the Ten Commandments. And it all culminates with this standard of just how well you need to obey. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. That's what comes before when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast. You must do it perfectly. Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites. Prayer you can get behind, right? You can do that. Maybe giving to the poor, too, or working in the possible-with-God donation closet. But fasting? Fasting is just weird. It seems too physical to be spiritual. It's too concerned with what you eat or don't eat or how long you don't eat. It's too physical to be a Christian activity in which we're mostly concerned with Oh, what's floating around in our minds about God and Jesus? Too Catholic for some, maybe. Too works righteous. Not for Lutherans, though, liberated from the law, basking in the freedom of the gospel, having severed our ties from the earn-your-ticket-to-paradise with their fish fries and their days of fasting. Oh, we just had a fish fry, didn't we? (laughs) We are kind of Catholic in a way. That's okay. And yet... When you fast, Jesus said. When? Later in Matthew, when the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus to ask why why they fasted and the Pharisees fasted, but Jesus' disciples didn't fast, Jesus answered, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. That's Matthew 9, 15. Then they will fast after Jesus, the bridegroom, is taken away. Like now, right? When you fast, Jesus says. Fasting peculiarly involves hunger, right? Fasting means abstaining from eating, not just from diet sodas or chocolate bars for 40 days, but from all food. Properly done, Fasting leaves your stomach aching for another helping. This is why fasting seems too physical. What does a rumbling stomach have to do with your piety, your Christian devotion and spiritualism? Well, let's hear an unsuspecting character in the New Testament give us the answer. Pontius Pilate, of all people, says, Look! 
the man you wanted. Here he is. Or in most of our English Bibles, it's behold the man. We don't use behold that much in our language anymore, but you see it in the Bible all the time. And when it says behold, it means to look at something or look at someone and take it all in. Don't just look at it, glance at it. To look and marvel at it. You know, you go to the Grand Canyon, right? You overlook the, the canyon. You don't say to your whoever you're with, look, the Grand Canyon. It's look, look, look at that. Behold, you take it all in, all its splendor and majesty. Behold the man, Pilate said. He was pointed to Jesus, God and man. As Pontius Pilate trotted out before the jeering crowds, a beaten and flogged Jesus wearing a crown designed to inflict pain and a fake robe intended to invite ridicule, he preached an unintentional yet profound sermon. And he didn't even realize it. Look, the man you wanted. Behold the man. Taking his advice, taking, taking Pilate's advice, which we hardly do ever, that's what you and I are going to do throughout this season of Lent. That commences tonight. We'll behold Jesus. We'll behold the man. We'll look at him and take it all in. In Jesus, God is man. The Word has become flesh like you and me. God is your brother. The one begotten of the Father from all eternity is now the one born of the Virgin Mary and your Lord. So behold the man. Just like you, he has skin, bones, blood, teeth and hair, heart and lungs, sweat and spit, hands, feet, eyes, stomach, everything. Behold the man. He eats, he breathes, he walks, he sleeps, he prays, he weeps, he bleeds, he dies, he rises, he ascends, he sits, and he will come back. That's right. He is completely human and completely divine. Two perfect natures in one indivisible person. That's why we light those two candles in the middle of the altar there. You call them communion candles. Well, they're more than that. In the church, historically, they are the two natures of Christ candles. They're to remind you that Christ is true man and true God. He has fingerprints and DNA, too. Can you imagine if biologists could get their hands on some of Jesus' DNA? What they could find out? Wouldn't that be fascinating? Behold the man, Jesus, your brother. Unlike you and me, though, he has no sin. His human nature is perfect, unspoiled by Adam's rebellion. He was tempted in every way, just as you and I are, yet he was what is, remains, without sin. His desires were never distorted into lust, greed, coveting, or idolatry. So behold the man. Like Adam at the close of the sixth day of creation, when God declared his handiwork very good, Jesus is as human as human can be, as human as he intends to make you in the resurrection. 
So why fasting? Behold the man. Jesus fasted. The gospel for this coming Sunday places Jesus in the wilderness. You know that story. After he was baptized, he went out to the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. This is not the, the fake fasting of feasting on fried fish or giving up some pet vice for the season. For 40 days, Jesus ate nothing. Matthew and Luke understatedly report that he was hungry. Well, can you imagine? How about that guy that was just uh, trapped in the snow uh, out here recently that survived for how many days on packets of Taco Bell hot sauce? Five days. And just a minute... There must have been just enough sugar in those hot sauce packets to make carbohydrates to, to keep you going, to keep him going. Well, he surely knows what it like means to be hungry. Imagine 40 days with nothing. Nevertheless, behold the man. Behold the God who became human in the virgin womb of a young woman of Israel. Behold the unborn baby being nourished for nine months in his temporary little earthly throne room. Behold the crying infant bawling to be fed by his mother. Behold the toddler to whom his parents introduced new foods, all of which he created and knew everything about. Behold the boy eating the Passover lamb with his extended family. And now, behold the man who has not eaten for 40 days. That's 960 hours or 57,600 minutes. And you were thinking the time since your fish dinner down there was getting a little long and you're already starting to feel a little snack coming on? Behold the man, the incarnate God, with taste buds which haven't savored a morsel for 40 days with a stomach that's been empty and aching for 40 days. Behold the man who fasts for you. The first Adam sinned by eating. What did he eat? Somebody say an apple? Yeah, whatever it was, some kind of fruit, right? Behold the man who fasts for you. The first Adam sinned by eating. Jesus, the second Adam will fast before he'll be tempted. He'll withstand every temptation thrown at him. You'll hear about that this Sunday. Behold, the man who fasts and who assumes his disciples will also fast. Remember, he said, not if you fast, but when you fast. Like fasting, Lent is weird. Who has the time or patience for a season of Repentance, for subdued joy, for bottling up our alleluias until we uncork them again on Easter? Who wants to give away more money to the poor from their already penny-pinched budget? Who wants to devote more time for prayer from their way-too-busy schedule? And who wants to attend weeknight services when you can come to church on Sunday if you want? Well, you have. Good on you. Nevertheless, Lent is strange. It's different. Lent, like fasting, is also 
oddly physical. In fact, the Germans call this penitential season before Easter Fastenzeit. Now, I'm Lutheran, but I'm not of the old German Lutheran stock like some of you may have been. Some of you might even be related to the original Lutheran pioneers that, that started this church in 1878. You can imagine going back then all those days. That's what they called this time of the year, Fastenzeit. Fasting time, it means in English. And they probably took it very, very seriously back in the 1800s, early 1900s. The disciplines of Lent, prayer, fasting, and giving to the poor, are designed to guard you against that age-old temptation of being overly spiritual. The temptation is as old as creation. When the devil seduced Adam and his wife to give in to the spiritual desire to be like God, knowing everything, knowing the difference between good and evil, over the physical prohibition against eating from that one tree, they set a pattern for the rest of us. And here's a couple of examples. When the Israelites settled in the promised land, it didn't take long before they lost interest in the very physical worship in the temple and doing all the sacrifices. They got involved in the locals who were worshiping Baal and other gods in a very non-specific way. Later on, Nicodemus would say to Jesus that true religion could never be so physical as to involve rebirth. And the Sadducees con concocted their ridiculous story about the woman who married one of the seven brothers to prove the physical resurrection is impossible. And your children or grandchildren might insist that they're spiritual but not religious. And what do we say to our friends when they tell us, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that there are spiritual things going on around, around us and in us I mean, we have a person living in us after all, the Holy Spirit. Yet, it's also physically real. Let's not forget that. Behold the man. In Jesus, whom the fullness of God lives perfectly in and with a body, you and I have an imperfect body because of sin, but we have hope. God is like this. He's a man your brother, so look at him and take it all in. Jesus fasted for you. He's a God who, who can eat. He needs to eat so that he can abstain from eating, enduring the pains of hunger to deny his flesh what it desires. And he endured temptation and never sinned so that he could be the man to redeem all other men and women. The creator who would give his life for sinners such as me and you. So fast freely. Fast so that you can learn to control your stomach and it will give you discipline to control other parts of your flesh as well. Fast and let the rumbling hunger of your stomach teach you that your stomach is not your God. Pray until you realize that your schedule is not your God. Your time is not your own, and your daily bread does not come from the work of your own hands. Give to the poor, tithe, 
Give offerings until you know down in your gut that money is not the source of your security or happiness. Behold the man who fasted, prayed, and gave perfectly for you. His growling stomach, his hunger pains, is your comfort in temptation. His flesh is our hope. He succeeded where you and I have failed. So behold the man, and then break the fast. Eat, drink here at this altar with his flesh and, as true food and his blood as true drink. Let the growling of your stomach and Lent and any time lead you here to the place where the Lord bids you to fast and hunger no more. Here is food that endures to eternal life. Here at his altar is the man who gives himself for you, to you, to eat and drink for the forgiveness of sins and for the strengthening of your faith and for enabling you to love him and each other evermore. Amen.